Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. I think that's a part that sometimes we might forget during Advent and Christmas. We're, we're, we're so busy running around. We're so busy trying to make sure everything is taken care of. All the, the food is prepared. All the gifts are bought. The, everything's decorated. That we get so wound up in all of the activities that we just stop and we forget to stop and say, God, here I am. I, I give you me. And that's kind of what we're doing as we're moving through this series called Roots, looking at the roots of Jesus and, and, and his family. You know, I was looking this morning at uh, the Gospel of Matthew, and we see the, uh, the genealogy of, of Jesus and the, the little hints that they give us, you know, telling us it was 14, uh, 14 generations before David, 14 generations between David and, and uh, Jesus. But one of the things that if you have to catch real carefully is, is kind of who we're talking about today. We talk about, uh, we, we talk about uh, Jacob or Israel and, and how he came and, and, and struggled, and he struggled mightily. He, he was trying to, to, to see exactly where God was calling him and leading him to go, and that, that got me to think about my family and, and, and one of the things that, that I've started to do, and I know I've mentioned it over times, uh, several sermons, but uh, this morning prayer routine I actually got from uh, Beth Moore. Uh, she was plugging it at the end of 2021, and there is a way that I have kind of moved my prayer life to really to start thinking about family. You know, the first group that I pray for is my immediate family, you know, Tracy and, and Tim and Deborah and Jacob and Sam, and then moving to prayers for my extended family, my brother and sister-in-law and Tracy's sister and, and brother-in-law and, and their kids, and then the extended family beyond that. Then I move into, you know, those family that, that are close to me, those people that I, that I, that I hang out with a lot, that I, that I do life with, and then the family of those who are sick and and, and in need, and then I pray for the church family, and then we pray for, for the world. It, it, it is so important for us to remember and so important for us to, to understand the necessity of family or, or how family gets used for a lot, but, but really it's more than a family, it's a people. And, and we, we get to understand and know that people as we go to God's word. So as we prepare to hear God's word this morning, I invite you to go to God in prayer with me. Let us pray. Oh God, here we are. Here we are on this second Sunday of Advent, gathering as your people. 
gathering together to worship you, to, to hear your word, so that we can then go out and be doers of your word and share that love with others. So Lord, as we continue in this series of Advent, we pray that you make the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So our scripture for this morning comes from Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 through 24, and then verse 28. I invite you to follow along in your Bibles, where we'll have the words printed on the screen for you to follow along as well. Hear the word of the Lord. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, so we start this message thinking about the beginning. Not all the way back to Genesis, but, but when Jacob, he is getting ready to go over to confront his brother Esau. And, and Jacob feels like he's in trouble. If, if you're familiar with the story about Jacob and Esau, Jacob stole Esau's birthright. And, and Esau was not too keen on that imagine why so what what Esau wanted to start and 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 to, and to get Jacob for what he did and Jacob took off and then had his own adventure and it comes to a point in time where he realizes he need to have he needs to have reconciliation with his older brother and so he, he decides to take off and, and, and to meet up with, with Esau, and he divides up his family in different ways, and he is left there by himself. And then that's when this man or this angel comes and wrestles with Jacob. And I think that's really important to think about us as, as God's people and, and, and how we move through our lives is that we are a people who wrestle. We are a people just like Jacob who, who can take a look at what's happening around us and, and we struggle with, with how can we be a faithful witness of Jesus Christ in the midst of all that is going on. I know this is not a news flash for you all because I know you all feel this and know this, but life can be confusing at times. Life, life can, can make us feel like we have no idea which way is up and which way is down. Life throws us all of these curves and, and all of these situations in our lives that we, we wonder how can we take care of this. But, but there, there's one answer. I know it's a simple answer, but, but it's the answer that is true, and it will be true throughout all of the ages. And that is that we wrestle with God when we go to him in prayer. 
We wrestle to understand God's will in our lives when we stop and say, God, I, I, I need to understand. I, I don't know why this is happening in my life right now, whether it's an illness, whether it's a, a strained family relationship, whether it's losing a job, whether it's I mean, any of those types of things. I just don't understand why you would do this to me. That's what Jacob was doing when he was wrestling too. He didn't understand why this man came and, and, and why they had to, to lock together. But, but see, this negotiating or reminding God of his promises is something that we have seen all throughout Scripture. One of the earliest ways that we see this is when Abram was talking with God about Sodom in Genesis chapter 18. God was telling Abram that he was going to go ahead and wipe out Sodom because of the wickedness, wickedness there. And, and what does Abram do? He doesn't go, okay, fine, go ahead. That's what, just do what you want to do. But, but he starts wrestling with God with this. Well, God, you know, what, what if there's 20 people? If there are 20 people there in Sodom, would you not destroy them? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I won't do it. Well, okay, but let me, let me, let's just, what if there's less than that? What if, what if there's 15? I know I have the numbers wrong, so please forgive me. But he gets all the way down to five, just, just trying to get God to, to relent. See, Abram knew that, that he was called to go to God and, and to try to make sense of this, but then God's will shone through Abraham and through Lot and his family as they were rescued out of, of this disaster. We also see wrestling happening in the New Testament too. Uh, one of the examples of wrestling I, I see is, comes from the Apostle Paul because he talks about how he had this, this thorn in his flesh. And he, he had no idea why God just wouldn't remove the thorn in his flesh, but, but he knew that God could move through that thorn and allow his purpose and his will to be seen. And we see in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he remembers that God's grace is sufficient for him. For God's power is made perfect in witness. God reminds Paul this, and he reminds us of this every day of our lives. Trace and I, we just got hooked on this show that is on the internet. I think it's on Amazon now. It's, it's all over the place. And we were in the movie theater called The Chosen. And, and one of the things that I love about The Chosen is just how real it makes the life of Jesus and the life of, of Jesus' followers as he was beginning his ministry into Israel and his ministry to the people, to the Jewish people. And, and one of the things that I love is that you see that there are people who are lame who are around Jesus. And, and one of the disciples who has a problem, I don't, I don't know if he really had this problem or not, but you know, they, they like to take some creative liberty with all this type of stuff. But, but one of the disciples, he, he's not... He, he's not well. He, he has a, a deformity of himself, and, and he is being sent out to go proclaim Jesus to the, the people of Israel. And, and he says, God, why do you want me to go do this? And Jesus reminds him, it's not about you. It, it, it's not about what you're struggling with, but it's about me working through you. 
It, it is about my power, about my strength, about, about my goodness to all of God's people. That you will do mightier things because of your, as Paul would say, thorn in your flesh. And people will come and understand who I am through you. Now, we may look at that and go, that's, that's awful cruel. But I don't think it is. What, was, what would be cruel is if God allowed him to live without affliction, without his presence and power in him. What would be cruel is God allowing him to go off on his own. But God's power is made perfect in our weakness. And we wrestle with God to understand how our weakness can become our strength. I think the second thing that we see in this passage is that God comes from a people who change. One of my favorite quotes that I, that I love to say over and over again is from an author by the name of Brendan Manning. He says these words. He says that God loves you unconditionally as you are and not as you should be because nobody is as they should be. Those are beautiful, beautiful words, but, but those words sometimes can cause a little problem because if, if you take these words literally, it helps us to think that, well, I have a free pass to do whatever I want. You know, since, since God loves me as I am, not because of what I should be, because nobody as there should be, then, then there's no way in the world that I could ever change. There's no way in the world that my heart can, can be moved. There's no other way that, that I, I just am, as Popeye would say, I am what I am. And that's all that I am. And, and, and people are just going to have to deal with who I am. And, and I'm just not going to change for anyone because God loves me. But see, there's another other side to this, too. It's a side that says, well, if God, doesn't, God loves me as I am, and nobody as I should be, then I should be what God wants me to be. So I'm going to work my tail off to be what God wants me to be. I am going to extend my own effort to make sure that, that, that I am doing what God wants me to do. It, it's all about the necessity to work harder. But my friends, both of those things missed a point. It's not about letting God say that I accept you for what you are and, and, and that's all I want you to be. It's not that. It's not that I want you to work your tail off in order to become acceptable because we know we can never work ourselves hard enough to be acceptable to God. But I think it all falls to the way that we change is the way that God, Jesus tells us that we are to change in John 15, verse 9, when he says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. See, see that's the type of change that God wants us to, to do. That's the type of change that God wants us to fully live in. He wants us to fully love him as he loves us. And I can't think of a better love that we have in our lives than the love that, that God gave us through Jesus Christ who came, who laid in a manger, who taught, who healed, and then who died so that he can be raised again so that we may have life and life eternal. See, see 
Jacob changed. Jacob changed, and his name became from Jacob to Israel, and he became the father of, of all of Israel, and absolutely the father to all of us because of his struggle. We, too, can change through and in God's love for us so that we can be God's love for the world around us. That that, that leads to, to transformation. That that leads to us, our lives, being totally different than, than what it was before. Paul reminds us in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, that he urges us, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer our bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to your pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect well, you know what's great about transformation? Transformation helps us to see that God can when we can't. That, that, that God is able to take who we are, this, this thing that, that, that God loves with, 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 with perf perfect love, and, and then he invites us to be changed into the image of God's love. He invites us to be changed to where we are then going out and transforming the world around us. That's how the world looks at us, but so the world looks at him and sees him and sees his perfect power and love and grace in our lives. See, sometimes I think we, we look at, at, at transformation as something that is, is hard, that's something that is difficult. And yes, it is hard, and it is difficult when we try to do that on our own. Psalm 119, verses 59 and 60 reminds us that when I think on my ways, and I, but when I turn my feet to your testimonies, I hasten and do not delay to keep your commands. See, see, when we try to transform ourselves, we miss the mark. But when we allow God's perfect love to transform us, then we can see his love and grace and power full in our lives. That's why I love Holy Communion. Holy Communion gives us the opportunity to, to take a look at, at what is happening around us, what is happening inside of us and says, God, I give all of this to you. I give you my wrestlings. I, I give you those things that I, I struggle with. And, and I pray that you allow me to see you in the midst of my pain, of my struggles, of, of my trials. God, I, I, I desire my heart to be changed because I know I can't do this on my own. I, I know that my struggle, my, my imperfectness, my, my life needs to be conformed to yours. Transform me so that I may truly love you and so that I can truly love my neighbor. My friends, I don't think that there is a better word for us today as we move closer to the manger to say, God, this morning, I dedicate my life to you.
through the breaking of the bread, through the pouring of the cup. And I ask that you change me, that you fill me and that you use me so that I may be your light in a dark and broken world. Let us pray. Oh God, you called us to be a changed people. Yes, you love us how we are, and, and we know that, that we have such a long way to go, but when we take a look at trying to fix ourselves, we, we know we miss the mark. That's why you tell us to remain in your love, the love that was given to you by the Father and the love that you share through us, through the power of your Holy Spirit. And through this holy meal, strengthen us to know that you are always by our side and you will never let us go. So Lord, we lift this time to you. We lift this meal up to you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.